Hello everyone, I'm Blake Farha. And I'm Jasmine. And this is See You in Sleep County, a podcast where we tell real stories from the journal of the one and only Jazz Meyer, taken and written in a way to be soothing and relaxing to help guide you into that wonderful, peaceful place we like to call Sleep County, uh, to help ensure that you get a night full of restful sleep and sweet slumber. Uh, and this week we have another tale for you, uh, ripped straight from the journals of Jazz Meyer. Jazz, which journal did you take tonight's story from? Well, um, the story actually is from a journal uh, from 2014. And 2014 was a very eventful year for me. Um, it was the year that I got married. It was the year that I um, moved from Australia to Germany. And in between those, those times, I traveled for three months around Southeast Asia, uh, China, Russia. So this journal entry is set in Vietnam. Um, yeah, it was a very, very beautiful trip. Wow. And so were you traveling with your betrothed? <laughs> I was. I was. Well, we were married at that time, actually. Um, mm. So, yeah, my, my brand new husband and I were traveling together. The first time we'd traveled together. Uh, the first time we'd, we'd been overseas together, certainly. Wow, putting your relationship to the test right away. Very nice. <laughs> indeed, indeed. I remember um, hearing tales of this trip of yours, this three-month sojourn through Asia and Russia, and uh, I remember you, you rode the Trans-Siberian Railroad for a little while, did you not? I did, yeah. Uh, the Trans-Mongolian, actually. Oh. Um, yeah, so there are two trains, one that goes from Moscow to Vladivostok, that's the Trans-Siberian, uh, but the one we took was from Beijing in China all the way to Moscow, so we'd crossed through Mongolia on the way um, on a six-day journey. That's that's sort of a dream of mine. Um, I don't know what it is, but you know, one of the only times and places where I feel really calm and at peace is actually on the road when I'm in movement, when I'm in motion. And there's something so beautiful about train rides specifically, perhaps because in the United States we don't have a lot of trains, you don't do a lot of train traveling. And I find it so nostalgic, it's so easy to stare out the window and enjoy the scenery as it passes by and it really puts me in a peaceful place because I feel like in that movement from A to B I am moving forward you know both literally and figuratively it always feels very calming to me but I wonder if six days of that would make me feel good uh, how did how did six days mm -hmm. of train travel feel oh, I really loved it actually I would love to do it again it's exactly as you said um yeah, it felt like there was there was motion, there was movement, there was some sort of progress, but in a very passive and peaceful way. Um, before that, we'd been moving cities or changing hotels every three or four days, and felt like there was constantly something to plan, something to think about. So by the time we we got on the train, we both needed some rest, I think, and yeah, just just watching the countries literally the countries and the countryside uh, rolled by. Yeah, it was, it was such a beautiful experience. It's, it's a very fond memory of mine. I'm sure we'll explore that in another story sometime. I was, I was just going to say, I really hope we get to hear some journal entries from mm -hmm. uh, your time on the train. I can only imagine the kind of characters you met and the experiences you had <laughs> and the sort of inward journey that I think you probably were taking in those uh, days on the train. 
So uh, mm. that's something for us to look forward to. So before we, I'm really excited about that, and I'm really excited about tonight's story. Uh, I haven't read it. I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to make that a theme, never reading your stories before I read them for the first time for our listeners. I think mm -hmm. that's nice. We can come to the story uh, both naive and fresh. Uh, but I'd love to hear a little bit about the tale we're going to regale our listeners with tonight. Yeah, for sure. Um, so this is, a, this is a night that sticks in my memory very strongly. It was, um, I think, my, my third week or our third week in Vietnam. And we decided to stay in a less uh, touristy part of town. So a little bit further away from yeah, the sights and sounds of, of um, fellow tourists and tourist attractions. And so we found ourselves in yeah, just a very quaint part of, of Saigon. Um, and one night we just walked around looking for looking for dinner and ended up having some very beautiful uh, interactions with, with locals. Um, yeah, I won't, wor I won't ruin the story <laughs> too much, but yeah, what came out of it was just that connection is much more important than, than necessarily speaking the same language or having the same culture. It's just it's very pure human interaction. Um, yeah, it was a very beautiful, beautiful night. My interest is well and truly peaked, Jazz, <laughs> so I think it's time we just get stuck right in. Uh, would you like mm -hmm. to introduce the story for us, Jazz? Yeah, absolutely. So um, this is a story entitled Saigon Nights, and I hope that it whisks you away into a beautiful state of rest that you can dream of sights and sounds and smells of, of a foreign place, of a place far away. and. So without further ado, here's the story read to you by the one and only Blake Baja, and I'll see you in Sleuth County. Thank you very much, Jazz. Now, as we prepare for tonight's story, gently close your eyes and snuggle into bed. Allow yourself to be totally wrapped up and comforted by the cocoon of your covers and wiggle around until you find that perfect position, the one that feels just right. And when you found that perfect spot, all wrapped up in your covers, take a nice, slow, deep breath, letting the worries of the day drift away as you exhale. We want to try to take deep breaths from our bellies. Your shoulders should stay right where they are. You want to really breathe in from your diaphragm, filling up those lungs, making your tummy full. Take another nice deep breath in, letting the air just fall effortlessly into your belly. And as you breathe out, Imagine breathing out all the stress, all the worries of the day. Let's take one more deep breath together. A nice deep breath in. And a nice deep breath out. All the worries and tension in your body going with the air. 
take a moment to feel the bed beneath you, the mattress truly supporting every curve in your body. Notice the feeling of the fabric of your pajamas or your sheets against your skin, so soft and delicate. And now we're going to spend a moment really checking in with our bodies and releasing any tension we might be feeling. So let's start from the top of our head and slowly scan down, releasing any tension we find in the muscles in our face, in our jaw, in our neck. Continue slowly scanning down from the shoulders, the arms, the chest. And as you move slowly down, feeling the tension release from every muscle you encounter. All the way down to your fingertips and your hands. We continue scanning down into our belly and our hips. Now let's move into our legs, those beautiful muscles which carry us on our journey throughout the day. Release any tension they might be feeling in your thighs, your knees, your calves, your feet, and even in your little toes. Wiggle your toes a bit just to playfully loosen up those feet muscles. Wonderful. And now I want you to take a moment to breathe in deep as you enjoy this wonderful feeling of complete and total relaxation. Your body is totally at ease and soon your mind will follow. And now, for tonight's story. Saigon Nights by Jazz Meyer It was another muggy day in Vietnam, and around us the city of Saigon dripped with sweat. There was the distinct smell of frying meat, boiling soup, hot tarmac, and methane that seemed to emanate from every Southeast Asian city I'd visited so far. The air was thick with humidity and with the sound of traffic from the street, chatter from pedestrians, music emanating from shopfronts. The main road was a bustle of cars and scooters, a torrent of traffic that flowed as wildly and smoothly as a river, tumbling over stones. From the windows of passing vehicles, the warm afternoon sun glinted, illuminating the colorful array of cargo that zoomed by. This seemed to be a staple of Vietnam, the haphazard and daring transportation, unhindered by regulations that might burden the rest of the world. Scooters sported a myriad of unlikely scenes. Entire families balanced atop a single seat, dogs riding along with their owners, paws perched upon the handlebars. 
a giant bunch of silver helium balloons in all shapes and sizes, streaming behind a scooter as it whizzed by. One little moped carried a cage containing live pigs strapped to its rear. There was never a shortage of entertainment when walking along a street in Saigon. Soon, though, we turned off that bustling street and into a little alleyway. It was lined with a collection of tiny cafes, street-side restaurants, hotels, and the busyness of the main road dropped suddenly and quietly away, melting into the background. Here, in contrast with the city traffic, life moved at a slower pace. Locals chatted jovially over a cup of iced coffee at the local cafe. Men lounged on the backs of scooters, hats pulled low over their eyes to shield them from the hot sun. Street vendors squatted over hot pots of chicken soup, waiting patiently for customers to arrive. We passed these scenes, enjoying the laid-back atmosphere, almost as much as the drop in temperature now that we'd entered the alleyway. Shaded by apartment buildings, this street was several degrees cooler than the main road had been, and the change in temperature offered a welcome reprieve from the tropical summer heat. Soon, we reached our destination, the Teen Vo Hotel. The hotel was a friendly-looking two-story building, and it greeted us warmly in pastel pink, with huge covered buttresses softening the corners. Its lobby was crowded with dozens upon dozens of plants. Lilies and ferns were dotted amongst the vast collection of orchids. I almost question whether the hotel doubled as a florist, so numerous were they. The reception greeted us with an enthusiasm I would usually reserve for dear friends. He was an older man, perhaps in his forties or fifties. But the sparkle in his eye and the eagerness with which he spoke to us belied his youthful demeanor. His wide grin crinkled the olive skin at the corners of his eyes. Our check-in taken care of, he swiftly took our bags from us and, despite our protestations, carried them up the winding spiral staircase hewn from black marble. Three flights of stairs later, we were deposited in our room, along with our bags and one last welcoming smile from our new friend. We didn't linger there long, preferring the dirty, colorful streets to the clean white room. And after a short while, we went back the way we came, gliding down the staircase and out into the world. It was night now, the sun having slunk down beneath the horizon and leaving the city to illuminate itself in the pinks and greens of its neon signs. The street lights basked the pavement in an orange glow offering pools of light under which the nightlife bloomed. Instead of the main street, we decided to explore the quieter alleys, searching for the secret, hidden gems of Saigon. 
this was a part of town less frequented by tourists, and as we walked, the only people we came across were locals, going about a usual Tuesday night, casting a sideways glance at the two foreigners strolling through their neighborhood. The friendly den of the city's side streets and back alleys buzzed around us as we wandered, looking for a place to dine, and eventually we found it. At the corner of two otherwise quiet streets, spilling out onto the asphalt itself, we stumbled upon a raucous little restaurant. It was obviously a popular spot. Most of the fold-out aluminum tables that cluttered the sidewalk were already occupied. The atmosphere was electric. Families crowded around piles of food. Groups of men laughed their full-bellied laughs over a collection of bottles. The women running the place called to each other over the crowd, dodging through the tables to deliver orders. We found an empty table at the edge of the commotion and, squeezing ourselves into the tiny plastic chairs ubiquitous to this country, were promptly presented with a menu. It was clear in the first instant that nobody there spoke any English, and in our two weeks in Vietnam, we'd picked up only a smattering of mispronounced words. That didn't seem to faze anyone, though. The woman who had delivered the menu had already moved on, collecting bottles and plates from the table behind us, chattering good-naturedly with her patrons. We inspected the offerings that the menu presented. Quickly, it became clear that the photos accompanying the indecipherable list of dishes would be our only clues. And so, when our waitress came back, we very quickly abandoned our valiant efforts at pronunciation and resorted to simply pointing to the most appealing pictures. The waitress, a no-nonsense lady in her forties, with short, cropped hair and a brush of shiny lip gloss, took our order graciously, a bemused smile playing on her lips. Stopping to make some joke to a table nearby, she disappeared into the kitchen. As we waited, chatting idly, a black kitten that until then had been skulking in the nearby bushes sidled up to our table. The streets here were populated by a multitude of stray animals, tame enough to thieve your lunch, but not enough to be mastered. We'd seen cats hanging around before, but this was the first time one had been so brazen as to approach us directly. The kitten eyed us carefully for a few moments, but seemed much more engrossed by my companion's sneakers than anything else. Mesmerized, its jade-green eyes remained focused solely on the black-clad feet. Soon, it assumed that half-crouched position that always precedes a playful pounce and leapt swiftly upon the offending sneakers. Over and over, it dived, rolled, jumped, tackled, twisted, and turned. Shoelaces became entangled as the kitten lay sprawled upon its back, paws batting the air above its head. Soon, though, we were distracted from our new friend, if friend 
is, in fact, the right word. It seemed like only a few seconds after the waitress had left that plate after plate began to arrive at our table. Lettuce leaves, crisp and green, long, thin slices of underripe, fleshy pineapple, sprigs of fresh mint and coriander emanating the most delicious aromas, piles of curly, white bean sprouts, sheafs of shiny, translucent rice paper, heaps of steaming white noodles, skewers laden with pork, oily, pink. We were beside ourselves, eyes growing wide with excitement and anticipation. With chopsticks in hand, we began sampling each of the delicacies, the noodles warm and soft, the pork salty and tender, the mint fresh and cool. So lost were we in the throes of these sensations that it took us a moment to hear the shouts thrown in our direction. Over the din of the restaurant came a noise. A few tables away, the waitress stood, hovering over another woman and a small child. They were all looking at us, the two women yelling over each other in Vietnamese, trying to get our attention. When they saw us look up, their efforts doubled, joined by a series of gestures and pointing that we were unable to decipher. They were pointing at our food, and when they recognized our looks of confusion, strode over, child in tow, to instruct us. They pointed at the plates in series, first the lettuce, then the herbs, the pineapple, the noodles, the pork, and finally, the sprouts. I reached for a lettuce leaf, determined to follow their instructions, so adamant were they. They watched me carefully as I lifted the leaf to my mouth. I was immediately met with another series of protests that informed me I had not properly interpreted their advice. Tired of our antics and baffled expressions, the second woman, also in her forties but with long, sleek hair and a pudgy, round face, took it upon herself to show instead of tell. With deft fingers, she picked up a sheaf of rice paper and thrust it into my hand, cupping it like a little boat. With my chopsticks, she piled ingredients into the paper in the order she and her friend had previously advised. I sat in shock and amused awe as she lay down a bed of lettuce leaves, sprinkled on a garnish of herbs, torn by hand from their stems, heaped on slices of pineapple and a jumble of noodles. The pork skewers she lay down upon the collection of delicacies and topped off the arrangement with a scattering of sprouts. Taking my other hand in hers, she made me fold the rice paper around my meal, the point of the exercise finally becoming clear to me. And lastly, she gripped the whole roll, which was still sitting in my hand, and pulled out the bamboo skewer, leaving the pork inside. Beaming, she made a gesture, as if to present the finished product 
and watched as I took a first bite. It had all happened in a blur of chopsticks and noodles, and now I was left with a latent feeling of awestruck embarrassment. The women seemed totally unfazed, however, proud of themselves for teaching the foreigners how to eat, and they seemed pleased with the result. As for my companion and I, we simply laughed to each other, amazed by the experience we'd just had. For the rest of the meal, we followed the method so graciously and emphatically shown to us, the women occasionally glancing over from their table to make sure we hadn't gotten lost along the way. We were, of course, something of a novelty to them. These strangers from an unknown land, wandering the streets, pointing wordlessly at the pictures in the menu, royally misinterpreting simple instructions and apparently having no idea what a rice paper roll was. I imagined we were as entertaining to them as the traffic was to us, two worlds colliding in a mess of rice paper. I was grateful for their attention, for the efficiency and directness with which they'd approached us for the total disregard of personal space. It felt strangely welcoming, and I relished the cultural exchange. The two of us sat for a long time after the meal was over, sipping lemonade and chatting, and soon we were given another chance to get to know the locals. An older gentleman approached us, openly friendly and determined to talk to us. He shook our hands warmly, smiling, introducing himself. Or so I imagine. He spoke only Vietnamese and seemed not to mind, nor to care, whether or not we understood. He crouched on the ground, despite our offers to take a chair, and regaled us with stories unknown to us and indecipherable. We sat listening nevertheless nodding occasionally, laughing when he laughed, smiling when he smiled, offering condoling looks when he reached what seemed to be a sad part of the story. He spoke on and on, never missing a beat, even when it must have been obvious we didn't understand a word. There was something in this gesture that touched me. I became suddenly aware that language was, far and away, secondary to good company. The women watched on in between tending to customers, smiling at our unlikely little group. The man shared himself with us, letting us into his humanity in the only way he could. And I began to understand why it didn't matter whether we spoke his language or not. He was happy simply to talk, to share, and to connect. And so were we. That brings us to the end of Saigon Nights, written by Jazz Meyer, a beautiful tale of human connection. If you're still awake, I hope you're feeling rested and ready for a beautiful night of calm, 
sleep. I want to say thank you so much for joining us and for letting us be your tour guides into Sleep County. It is such an immense pleasure sharing this moment with you, and it really means a lot that you've taken the time to enjoy these stories with us. That's all for tonight. If you enjoyed tonight's story, there will be so many more to come. We look forward to continually guiding you into this beautiful, restful space that I hope you're now steeped in. I'm Blake Farha, and I want to say thank you. Wish you sweet dreams, a pleasant sleep, and I'll see you in Sleep County.